You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a b- But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galina, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. And welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina, along with Frank Cheech Stample. And Mike Florio's back this week. Wearing the blue and orange interlocking uh, NY on his baseball cap. What's going on there, Mike? Not much, Joey. How are you? I'm um, great. It's uh, 2013. At least your Mets, hopefully, that it would be 2013. There's, who are they signing? Uh, Adrian uh, Gonzalez. The Mets Jose and Giants Reyes. are going to be great in the 2013 <laughs> NLCS. Bartolo Colon coming back. Yeah, that's a possibility, right? Uh, you can't be lucky and be Yankee fans like you and I, Frank. That's right. Yeah, First well, of all, Joey. Yes, sir. What's up? <laughs> there you go. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Uh, and, of course, that what's up comes from like an old uh, Super Bowl commercial, right? And, Speaking uh, of which, right? Yeah, yeah. So we know who's playing, right? We've got the uh, Patriots back uh, against the Eagles. The line Ooh. started out uh, six and a half. I think it's dropped since... Uh, it was initiated to about five. I saw it as five in the New York Post today. So looks like a lot of money, at least this week, is going towards the Eagles. I mean, uh, just in general, I mean, you know, what do you think about this matchup? I mean, are you tired of seeing the Pats? Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Mike's a Bills fan. I'm a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't I'm matter for you. I'm a Giants fan because I hate the Eagles too, yeah. right? So, I mean, you've beaten the Patriots. It probably yeah. doesn't matter much to you, but right. I'm... I'm tired what, of it, man. What I'm, I'm tired of Tom Brady. I'm just going to just watch the game and just, in a way, I've kind of resolved myself to say, hey, I'll just watch Brady and try to enjoy the type of player like a the Babe Ruth, uh, the Wayne Gretzky, that kind of iconic player, and just, just take it in for for maybe what yeah, could be one last time. Yeah, you kind of got to, like... It's like in basketball. Like even if you're not a LeBron fan, mm-hmm. you should enjoy it yeah, while yeah. it's while it's there. Like it was Kobe before that, right. Peyton Manning, and mm-hmm. uh, these you know generational icons mm-hmm. that like yeah you may get sick of and you take them for granted. But when Tom Brady's, we think at nearing the end of his run and still <laughs> yeah, maybe the best in the think, league, right? He keeps so on coming back. I guess a little bit of you got to respect it. So we'll talk, um, you know, a little bit of football, but this is going to be basically mostly a baseball show. Uh, a lot of action this week. Uh, Brewers Ooh. making some moves, adding some players. Marlins uh, involved in, in some trade uh, with the Brewers as well. We've got Kyle Lesnowski, manager of the Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation site Brew Crew Ball. Uh, we also have uh, Tim Healy, uh, Marlins beat reporter for the Sun Sentinel. Uh, so uh, a lot of you know, it's been a quiet off season in a way, right? We're waiting for the big guys to to sign, but uh, we had uh, Lorenzo Cain signing a five year uh, deal, uh, and uh, the Brewers also traded for Christian Yelich. So uh, got a lot to talk about. Maybe even some XFL. The XFL. There you go. Very good. Uh, We'll be back with more Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. (laughs) 
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. And welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Weekend Fantasy Update. You got Joe Galini, you got Mike Florio, and you got Frankie Cheat Stanford, Pete Considori, producing our show. Stay tuned for the producers. After our show, they'll be uh, uh, doing a little... Uh, what are you doing there, Pete? You're doing the bench warmers, right? You're going to be uh, evaluating and... Uh, Talking about the bench warmers. Yeah, that's right. And our fantasy producers movie club um, during the show, the producers, as presented by Weekend Fantasy Update. Hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about the bench warmers. <laughs> Go on the poll right now at FNTSY Radio to vote on next week's genre, what we should be watching next week. There you go. I, I watched a little Get Out last night. Uh, what did you think guys, of it, Joe? I actually kind of liked it. It was a little odd, uh, but. Uh, Interesting, because what we try to do, me and my wife, we try to watch as many of the Oscar-nominated movies as possible, so... This one's actually on cable now, and it's been nominated. So I said, let's give it a, a watch. I've yet to see it. Yeah, she she was expecting like a a love story, like you know, like where, where <laughs> no, a, no, no, a, no. an African American <laughs> male uh, meets a a white girl, and they and they you know have a relationship. But it was uh, kind of sci fi and you know uh, horror, I guess. Uh, it was. I liked it. I thought it was a little overrated. I thought the concept was kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't expect uh, that much out of yeah. it, so that's the problem. Maybe you expected too much out of it. Yeah, because I, originally when it first came out, it was like the first movie to get a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so yeah, I, I noticed I was yesterday because like, I was watching yeah. it on demand, and it got 99% on Rotten Tomato, 80%, and I forget what the other uh, rating system is, yeah. but the uh, popcorn is their icon. But, <laughs> but I had very high expectations. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a bad movie, yeah. but it was just... To me, it was too overhyped. Yeah, yeah. Interesting concept, though. Um, all right, so uh, next segment, we're going to have Kyle Lesniewski, a manager of the Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation site Brew Crew Ball. He uh, also contributes to uh, Baseball Prospectus Brewers site, bpmilwaukee.com. You can follow him at BrewerFan28 on Twitter. So uh, as we alluded to, Brewers making moves, and they might not be done, right? So they, they signed Christian Yelich. Not uh, well, actually, they traded for Christian Yelts. I apologize, and then they signed Lorenzo Cain, uh, five years, eighty million dollars. Believe that is correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I kind of like Christian Yelich a lot more now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone, Joey. Uh, I tweeted this out the other day, though. I compared his home road numbers from this past season, and this is a trend. It, it happened in 2016 as well, and, and I don't blame him because. Uh, Marlins, where they play, it's one of the hardest stadiums to hit in all of baseball. But mm-hmm. you look compare his home and road splits. The average is over forty points higher on the road. Mm-hmm. The slugging percentage is almost a hundred percentage points higher. He had a ISO that was almost sixty percentage points higher, and an OPS that was a hundred and twenty six percentage mm-hmm. points higher than it was at home. And for what it's worth, three straight years in a row, his he's still a, a very heavy ground ball hitter. Yeah, but in the last three years. 
each year his fly ball rate has increased while his ground ball rate has decreased. So going to a stadium now, a great hitter stadium in Miller's Park, I think that this this guy really could be a top 15 arguably even higher outfielder because as he continues to elevate the ball in a better hitting stadium with a better, maybe not a better lineup, but a just as good lineup as he was in last year Mm -hmm. around him, I mean, I think this kid, he got a huge upgrade in fantasy value. Yeah, he hits home runs, he steals bases, the Brewers like to, to run, right? Uh, so you got to figure a little uptick in his home runs. He's the kind of guy, he's had some nice seasons, but still I don't think he's reached his, his potential, right? I mean, last season, 18 home runs, 81 RBI, 16 stolen bases, uh, 282 batting average for his career, triple slash of 290, 369, 432. Frank, what's your uh, opinion? Uh, are you as high as uh, uh, Kite? No, I mean, are you as high as uh, Florio is <laughs> in terms of uh, on Yelich? Yeah, I love looking at the uh, the home road splits, not just last year, but if you look throughout his career, he has a 759 OPS at home, 839 on the road. He's hit 59 career home runs, 41 mm-hmm. of them on the road. Yeah. Think about that, mm-hmm. Joey. Only mm-hmm. 18 of them have come at Marlins Park, the cavernous Marlins Park. So. Right. I think this works wonders for him. I agree with you. Still only 26 years old. I don't think we've seen you know the best season out right. of him yet. Uh, like Mike mentioned, if he can just start elevating the ball a little bit more, because even at 55% is massive. If, mm-hmm. if he can even drop it to 50%, get the fly ball rate up higher, uh, just lift the ball more, we're looking at a guy who can hit 25 home runs in Miller Park with maybe 25 stolen bases because we've seen in years past the Brewers are going to run. We mm-hmm. saw Jonathan VR just a couple years ago, 60-plus stolen bases. So we're not projecting that for Yelich, obviously, but there's a chance that he can get to 25-25. I'll be interested to yeah, see what they do uh, with the lineup, whether he's leading off or Lorenzo Cain is leading off. Either way, it's going to be an awesome lineup throughout. It's not just like a one through five because you still, at the bottom of the lineup, you're still going to have Orlando Arcia. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have Jonathan VR. Yeah. You're going to have even a Steven Vogt, who he's not what he used to be, but for a catcher, I mean, he can still pop 15 home runs. So it's like one through nine, minus the pitcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or if they choose to put the pitcher eighth and VR ninth for like a dual leadoff hitter kind of thing. The Brewers are going to be one of the most fun offenses to watch in the absolutely, NBA movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, uh, Lorenzo Cain, like I said, they signed him five-year, uh, $80 million, just about 32 years old. I was a little surprised that they went the five years for a guy who uh, a big part of his game is stolen bases uh, and also with the depth that they already have. Uh, at outfield, and that's why at the start I kind of mentioned that we don't think they're done. I mean, uh, they've got some good young players still, uh, outfielders there, like Domingo Santana, uh, Hernan Perez, uh, who could, uh, you know, uh, steal bases as well. Uh, Keon Broxton is still there, right? He's a good, and uh, obviously uh, they're, they still have the uh, big contract in Ryan Braun, so uh, we're wondering. You know, I don't think they're done. I wonder which one of these guys. I mean, if I, I know the guy, I would try to get rid of is Braun. <laughs> obviously, yeah. But, you know, you could have to eat a bunch of that contract or move him. To, I, I've heard some people, you know, speculate trying to teach him how to play first base, mm-hmm. but I, I highly doubt you they think go they're that done route. with Eric Thames. Then I mean, that, that's an see. It's you mentioned it perfectly, Frank. This is a fun offense, a fun lineup to think about. I mean, they. 
I mean, I know we're going to be talking a lot about first baseman uh, later on in the show. We're going to try to focus on that on that position. But uh, I mean, when you look at what Thames did, of course he got off that tremendous start in, in April, eleven home runs, and then kind of faded off. But you know, he had a couple of months where he did come back and finish the season fairly strong. Uh, I don't know if I mean uh, are they is the experiment was it an experiment I mean or it's just I mean his big issue to me is that he can't hit you know the curve and the chain he can't hit moving and left handed <laughs> pitching right. which is huge for him yeah, yeah. they do have a, a sick platoon though with him and uh, Jesus Aguilar Jesus, I, yes I actually I like Aguilar I will talk more about this later I actually personally like him more than Thames mm-hmm. but I I just think that if if you can find a way to keep Domingo Santana and all the production he gave you last year yeah. by switching Braun, that that could be one route to go. And mm-hmm. I, I know you mentioned Lorenzo Cain in that fifth year. Mm-hmm. I think when you break it down over the average of what he would get each year, it's not going to be crippling to this organization. What I find strange, and I get it, they're doing this because they're trying to compete in the now. Yeah. The contract is backloaded. Mm-hmm. Like he's only making thirteen million this year, but come twenty twenty two, that's the highest. The last year, the deal was the highest year at, according to Roto World, at seventeen million dollars. So, to me, it's a little strange that they didn't try to, you know, up like uh, make it early where he are giving him the money because that's when he's going to be worth it on a per dollar. If you they use the whole war is right. worth about nine million dollars, just a, a little bit below that. But I guess they're, they're going for it now. They're trying just to build a championship contender in the next couple of years with that young team. And no, Joey, I do not think they are done. I think <laughs> they could make a trade for a, a trade of Domingo Santana. I think they definitely will be one of the teams going hard after you, Darvish, or Jake Arrieta. So I, I am really interested to see how this roster shapes up. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, go ahead, Frank. It, it's crazy to how we view the Brewers, too, because they're not a big market team by right. any means. but. From everything I've read, they still have money to spend. Mm-hmm. Like They can go out and sign a Darvish or an Arietta if they want to, and I think that's something that they need to explore. If you if you get a Darvish in there and then flip a Domingo Santana for, I've heard Danny Salazar rumored, or maybe even a Johnny Cueto or something like that, then we're looking at a juggernaut in both pitching, they have a legit closer in Corey Knable, they have a great lineup too, so we could be looking at a juggernaut. Just talking about Lorenzo Cain real quick from a fantasy perspective, I tweeted this out the other day. There were only four players who had at least 25 stolen bases and a 300 batting average or better last season, mm-hmm. and he was one of them. D. Gordon, 60 stolen bases, 308. Jose Altuve, 32 stolen bases, 346. Lorenzo Cain, 26 stolen bases, 300 batting average. So, you know, whether it's him or Yelich at the top there, they're going to be in position to potentially score, you know, 90, even 100 runs each. If When they, you look at it, they have Braun behind them. Yeah. They have Travis Shaw, Eric Thames, whether it's him, Jesus Aguilar. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's going to be fantasy fireworks from this lineup. Yeah, and I'll give credit to where it's due. Ryan uh, Bloomfield of uh, Baseball HQ tweeted this out yesterday. Since Craig Council took over in 2015, the Reds are the only team that have more stolen base attempts than the Brewers, and they only have it by two. Yeah. 519 attempts for the Brewers in the last yeah. three seasons. That's why I think Frank, you mentioned maybe a 25-25 potential for Christian Yelich. Po- very possible. No, no player went 25 and 25 last season. Mm-hmm. All right, when we come back. Kyle Lesniewski, manager of Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation uh, Brew Crew Ball site, will join us. We'll be back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. And we are thrilled to have our next guest join us. He's the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation site, Brew Crew Ball. Uh, Kyle, could you just uh, let us know? I want to pronounce your name correctly on air. How do you pronounce your last name, Kyle? Leshnesky. Uh Gotcha. Okay. So welcome and uh, thank you for taking uh, some time out of your weekend to join us. Uh, you could also uh, follow uh, Kyle at BrewerFan28 on Twitter. Uh, so let's get right into it. Big week for the Brewers. Made a big trade, and we were just talking about how we uh, love uh, Christian Yelich. Uh, Brewers gave up uh, four prospects. Lewis Brinson, Isan Diaz, Monte Harrison, and Jordan Yamamoto. Initial thoughts of the trade, and uh, do you think the Brewers might have given up too much? Um, well, you know, as it, as it sounds like you guys kind of mentioned, talking about Christian Yelich is, is really a great player in today's MLB. Um, he's a guy who's posted above average offense um, in terms of weighted runs created plus in every season of his career so far, and, and that's playing in a park, uh, Marlins Park down in Miami, that's pretty suppressive to offense, especially to left-handed hitters. Um, he's been a pretty great, uh, pretty great defender out in the outfield, and he's a guy who's consistently produced, you know, between four and five wins above replacement in just about every full season of his career. Um, so that's that's a guy who carries a ton of value, especially when you look at the very reasonable contract that he's under. Uh, the Brewers will be able to control him for um, up to the next five seasons. There's a, a contract option for 2022 in there. Um, and the most that they'll pay him is about $58 million. So um, with the way the contracts have kind of gone in today's game and, and for how good of a player Yelich is, that's a very below-market deal. So as I said before, a very valuable player. And, and the Brewers paid up for, for a very valuable player. You know, a lot of the talk about the slowness of the uh, free agent market and the trade market this winter has been, you know, teams kind of in search of, of better deals and and getting guys for you know maybe packages and stuff that they wouldn't have been able to before but it looks in this case like the brewers kind of paid market value for for what a player like christian yelich will cost um lewis brinson is their top or was their top prospect uh he now slots in as miami's number one prospect um He's a guy who's been long praised by scouts as having five-tool potential, and um, he's kind of had a, a slow ascent through the minor leagues since getting drafted um, out of high school back about five or six years ago with the Rangers. Um, debuted in the MLB last year and, and kind of struggled. Um, had a 106 batting average or so, two home runs and 55 at-bats. Um, 
really struggled with the strikeout and kind of looked a, a little overmatched against major league pitching. Um, but this was Milwaukee's minor league player of the year last year. Um, he's a guy who's often praised as having 30 home run, 30 stolen base potential. He's a guy who's drawn comparisons to uh, Mike Cameron if, if everything goes well for him um, and could certainly be a, a very good center fielder for Miami for the next six years and, and beyond if they're you know able to get him under contract beyond that. Um, but uh, he's he's a guy who also has some questions about his hit tool. Um, he's improved his strikeout rate against minor league pitching, at least for the last several years. Um, but scouts still kind of note that he has a long swing and, and there's some places in the zone that you can beat him. So um, he might have some issues with the strikeouts at the MLB level, kind of as we saw in a very short sample size last season. So that'll be something that he'll have to improve um, if he's going to truly be that impact player that Miami's hoping that he becomes. Um, Monty Harrison is a very similar prospect to Lewis Brinson, um, just a couple years behind him. Uh, he's a guy who um, also struggles with the strikeout rate. He uh, struck out um, in about 28% of his plate appearances last season between uh, Lola Way and high A ball. Um, but he's another guy tantalizing power speed potential, uh, 20 home runs, uh, 21 home runs, 27 stolen bases in the minors last year. Um, it was really the first year since the Brewers drafted him in 2014 that he's been fully healthy for a whole season. And um, it was kind of the first chance that he's had to show scouts what he can do when he's fully healthy. Um, he's considered a very raw prospect, actually turned down a scholarship to go play football at Nebraska um, in order to sign with the Brewers back in 2014. Um so he's still kind of working on refining those baseball skills, and, and that kind of shows up in the routes that he takes in center field and sometimes on the base pads and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, baseball learning and stuff that's left for Harrison. Um, but, you know, when, when you take that in mind and look at how successful he was down in the minor leagues last year, it's certainly easy to dream on a prospect like that. And um, he's another guy who's who's kind of drawn those Mike Cameron comparisons, you know, could be a plus defender in center field, a guy who could hit, you know, 25 or more home runs in a given season. Um, but again, may have issues with the strikeout. Um, and uh, the health concerns are, you know, obviously something that you want to keep in mind. And uh, last year was the only season he's ever appeared in more than a hundred games. So hopefully he can stay on the field going forward and, um, continue his development as he as he you know probably starts next season maybe in high A or um, moves up to double A at some point. Um, Isan Diaz is uh, also um, a, a very interesting prospect, a guy who struggles with the strikeouts. Um, he's a second baseman slash shortstop, but most scouts think that he'll end up at second base for the long term. He doesn't really have the arm strength that you want to see out of a guy who's playing shortstop every day. Um, but has shown 20-plus home run power. Um, some things I've seen our scouts are concerned maybe a little bit about his maturity on the field. Um, he looked overmatched at times against high ball pitching last year. Um, as I mentioned, you know, kind of struggled a lot with the strikeouts. He only had about a, a two twenty batting average, um, three thirty on base percentage. He hit 12 home runs or so. Um, and he missed the last few weeks of the season after breaking a handmade bone in his hand. Uh, which some scouts are kind of worried about, you know, maybe that'll slow his um, continuing development or um, if he's if he's not able to come back from that perfectly. So um, 
a lot of questions with the three hitters that Miami got back in that trade, um, especially regarding some strikeouts. And, and each one of those guys has kind of battled some health concerns throughout their minor league careers to this point. Um, but each one of them has, has received, um, has received praise as guys who could be future all-stars down the road. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, whether they're going to be able to make enough contact at the major league level to fully actualize the plus power that, that they've shown in batting practice and um, at various times through their minor league career. And then uh, Jordan Yamamoto is actually a, a pretty interesting arm. Um, he won the Carolina League ERA title, um, posted a 251 ERA in 111 innings last season for the Mudcats. Um, he's a guy who David Stearns personally referred to in a, a, a interview with Fangraphs a little earlier this winter as um, his favorite under the radar prospect within Milwaukee's system. Uh, he kind of sits in the lower 90s with his fastball, can dial it up to 94 at times. Um, but his best offering is a, uh, a high spin rate curveball that gets uh, 2,000 revolutions per minute or so clocked on it. I've seen. Um, I've seen various reports. So he's a guy who uh, some scouts think there could be a chance that he develops into maybe a number four, number five starter. Um, a little bit undersized, doesn't really have the, the big body of, um, you know, the prototypical innings eater that you look for at the MLB level. Um, but if he doesn't wind up sticking in the starting rotation, his fastball curveball combination could make him a pretty dangerous reliever if everything goes right for him. Great breakdown of uh, of the prospects giving up, but you know before we let you go, we also got to ask you. They also signed Lorenzo Cain just like an hour after they announced this Christian Yelich trade. Uh, what interesting timing, and what do you think of them giving a 32 year old outfield a five year contract despite the many the, the depth that they've already had at the position? Yeah, it was certainly a little bit surprising um, to see that the Brewers have kind of, it's, it sounds like they kind of were having conversations with Kane throughout the winter. It wasn't just something that, you know, kind of came up at the last minute and, you know, they threw together. Uh, Kane even said in um, press conference yesterday when they announced that Milwaukee was one of the first teams to contact him when the offseason started and they were one of the teams that were consistently talking with him and his representatives throughout the winter. Um I guess, like I said, you know, it's it's surprising to see Milwaukee go out and pursue as much outfield help as they've been able to get. Just looking at the amount of depth that they entered the winter with, a lot of people already kind of were thinking that, um, you know, they, they had sort of a log jam going on and we were trying to figure out where all these guys were going to play. And, um, you know, I think that it just kind of shows that that's not really something that David Stearns is very concerned about. Um He's not opposed to going out and finding the best players that he can and then figuring out where they're going to play and how that's all going to fit together later. Um, you know, a lot of the reports that were out there were saying that Kane had a lot of three- and four-year deals, um, but it looks like Milwaukee might have been the only team to offer him five years, and that's probably what prompted him to sign. Um, so it is a little surprising to see him get a deal like that from the Brewers, um, you know, a smaller market team guys um, who who really can't afford to have a 37-year-old who's playing like he's on the backside of his career, paying him $17 million in a few years. So that that must illustrate some level of confidence in the Brewers for for Kane to age gracefully, I guess, as it were. Um, And there have been some some stories written. Uh, There was one at Baseball Prospectus recently and another one at Fangraphs. as well that uh, kind of break down the elite 
skill levels that Lorenzo Cain has displayed, especially after the age of 30. And there's only been a few other guys um, who who have posted the sort of defensive numbers in center field and offensive numbers as a center fielder that Cain has been able to post. So when you're looking at an aging curve, you you aren't looking at Lorenzo Cave at Lorenzo Cain on the typical aging curve, you got to kind of say, okay, well, how have other elite center fielders aged as they've gotten past age 30? And um, when you, when you kind of break it down like that, um, you can see a little bit more optimism in the projections going down the road. Um, I believe uh, the zips projections for Kane uh, say that he should produce somewhere between um 10 and 12 wins above replacement during his time with Milwaukee, which would more than justify the $80 million commitment that they made to him. So um, I'm sure that that's what David Stearns and Craig Council are hoping for. And um, it sounds like Kane is going to be the the regular center fielder. Um, At this point, they haven't really said exactly where Christian Yelich is going to play on a daily basis, but that he will see some time in center field. Um, I certainly don't think the Brewers are done making moves at this point. I think we'll see. Um, I think we'll see another trade here. You know, within the next few weeks, maybe before the start of spring training, that kind of makes this outfield picture a little bit more clear and hopefully helps the Brewers um, upgrade their starting rotation going into the season. Great but, stuff. Um, yeah, certainly, certainly a great time to be a Brewers fan, and and definitely a lot of excitement here in Milwaukee for this. Absolutely, team. we were just talking how uh, much fun it's going to be to watch this team uh, this season, especially with that lineup. Thank you for taking time out to join us, Kyle Leshneski, manager of Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation site Brew Crew Ball. Follow him at BrewerFan28 on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. Have a great weekend. Yeah, I appreciate you guys reaching out. Thanks for the opportunity. You got it. You got it. Great stuff from Kyle. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more Brew Crew, talk a little uh, baseball as well. We'll be back. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. All right, we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. We're going to talk a little bit more Brewers baseball, but we have uh, some breaking news from the Orioles. Mike? Yes, uh, I'm going to mess up the beat reporter's name, but I believe it is Rosh Kabato. Kabatko? <laughs> he is the uh, he's a reporter for uh, MASN Sports. In uh, Baltimore, Probably and Middle he, Atlantic, right? Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. has tweeted out that Buck said, "Buck being Buck Showalter, mm-hmm. that Machado will be the shortstop of the Baltimore Orioles, while Tim Beckham will play third base." Manny Machado is going to have uh, dual eligibility because he played uh, all of his time at third base last season, so he'll be eligible at third and short. So uh, he had an interesting year last year. Really got off to a horrible start when you look at you know what he did, but did come on uh, as a season wore on. Uh, doesn't look like he's 
ever going to steal another 20 bases like he did in 2015, but the power's there. Uh, obviously, I, I think he's a better hitter than that 259 batting average Easily. from last season. This is a guy that I was yeah. already He's a first-round heavily... pick at this stage, especially with the dual position eligibility. He was going in the second round, mm-hmm. but I tweeted out, I said, if you drafted him in the second round, I took him in the in one draft in the second round, mm-hmm. it's a steal now because the only reason I think he was getting, his value was suppressed was because third base is so deep. Mm-hmm. You now put him at shortstop. He... You could easily make the case is the number one player at that position now. And this is a guy who, in a down year, hit 33 home runs. The counting stats were down uh, from the year before, only 81 runs, 95 ribbies. Mm -hmm. But he had nine stolen bases. That's something that he did not do the previous year. He increased his walk rate. He cut down on the strikeouts from the year before. His hard hit rate was up to 39.5%. The fly ball rate was on par with what it was two years ago. This is a guy that I wanted to be all over this season, but now I think you are going to have to once again pay a mid to late first round pick to get him because the expectation is after the first week he will be shortstop eligible. Let's call it what it is. Last year was an outlier in terms of batting average for Manny Machado. 259 average. His BABIP was 265. He's a career 301 BABIP guy. Mm-hmm. And just looking at some of that hard contact that Mike brought up, this is a guy who averaged over 90, 90.9 miles per hour average exit velocity, which was inside the top 20, I believe, in the MLB. Pulling it up right now. He was... 17th. 17th in average exit velocity, um, and he had a barrel every eight plate appearances, which is 29th. So, it, last year just seems like a fluke to me in terms of batting average. I'd expect that to get back up to around 280. And I also said on the BFS that if this guy got shortstop eligibility, that he would go in the range of like a Carlos Correa. So, if you're in a 15-team league, I think he is going to bump up into that like late first round mm-hmm. where that where those elite starting pitchers are going. Maybe even ahead of Chris Bryant just because of uh, position eligibility and scarcity. Mm-hmm. Third base, in my, uh, in my opinion, is the deepest than we've ever seen it. So... I think that'll push him ahead of a guy like Chris Bryant. Frank, oh, so I was gonna say Frank mentioned the barrels where he eight point every uh, he barreled the ball at eight point one every eight point one percent of his plate appearances, which was twenty second in the league. Correa, who is the guy that you could argue with him, was seventy uh, seventy fourth at six point four. Mm. So I mean the the hit tools are all there for Manny Machado. He is a legit power hitter. He is now they're letting him steal some bases. We expect that average to get closer to three hundred. And even in his down year last year, it was still league average. So yeah. I'm all over Manny Machado. I think the league average is somewhere like 255 or so. Yep. Um, so, I mean, the Orioles in general, interesting offensive team. Uh, we're going to be delving into first base uh, as the show progresses. But when you look at uh, their number one first baseman at this stage, it looks like it's Chris Davis who's really kind of hit the skids. Uh, and they have uh, just overall, when you look at their offense, second base, Jonathan Cope. He's yeah. really come into his own past few years. Uh, Tim Beckham had a career year last year in home runs. I think he had 22. Um, Trey Mancini, my guy. Remember? I spoke Joey's about Italiano. Oh, hey. Boom, boom. <laughs> so he's, uh, I mean, right now he's penciled in as the left fielder, but also could play first. He's going to be out, dual uh, have dual eligibility. Uh, Jones, getting a little older, but still fairly. Uh, put up still some, a very good player. Yeah. Uh, but the guy that uh, is a bit intriguing is Austin Hayes, outfielder for them. Uh, he came on uh, late last season. 
Still going to be a very good lineup. Like, this is who the Orioles are. They build, uh, build a great offense every year and just completely ignore pitching. Yeah. And Well, they have the ballpark. Yeah. It, you know, it coincides with building <laughs> Yeah, I mean, good you, you would think what they would target is, you know, trying to get some pitchers that keep the ball on the ground or whatever, but they're really just not even targeting any pitchers at all. I mean, mm-hmm. losing Zach Britton doesn't help. Brad Brock probably going to be the closer for the first half of the season. And then maybe they even try to ship out him. So the Orioles are a very interesting team. They're kind of like in purgatory right now mm-hmm. like they, in they're MLB not, purgatory. they're not going to be able to compete with that no they're, they're not there's no way they're going to be able to but at the same time they still have a lineup which is like a prime MLB lineup yes but they can't compete because their pitching is so but bad. it's going to get depleted I think I really would be very shocked if they finished the year with Manny Machado on this roster and I mentioned Austin Hayes I mean he really didn't do anything in the major leagues but when you look at what he did uh, last season uh, in the minor leagues uh, 330 batting average uh, for the AA affiliate, 16 home runs, a 594 slugging percentage. Uh, before that, he was with the high A team, another 16 home runs, uh, 364 OBP, and a 592 slugging. So, I mean, there's a little buzz building about Austin Hayes as someone that, uh, you know, might end up being fantasy relevant before the season's over. And I like that call, too. Yeah. Joey, There, I, I have to tell you, though, there is not a player in a single sport that I associate with you more than Trey Mancini. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Trey Mancini, I, I don't yeah. even think of him. I think of Joe yeah. Galina. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I will say, you brought up Chris Davis. Yeah. And uh, I just started this kind of series I'm going to do throughout the preseason on, on rotoexperts.com where I'm talking about like last year's trash. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a buying opportunity on Chris Davis here because he's going super, super late in drafts. I get it. He hit 215 last year. And 221 the year before. <laughs> his his numbers are extremely volatile because mm-hmm. he strikes out so much. Yes. Like, it, it's just as likely that he'll hit 250 with 35 home runs as it is what he did last season, 215 with 26. It's yeah. just the nature of because he strikes out so much. So we saw... Even the year before, 2016, yes, he had 220, but 38 home runs, yeah. 99 runs scored. Like, there's still value in that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not expecting him to get back to 47 home runs, but I do think that there's a buying opportunity. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. Yeah. The thing with him, though, is it's not just like the volatility because of the strikeouts, because we haven't seen him. The last two seasons, he can't maintain the average, but we know there's issues with him. There was the eye issue. There was yeah. that whole uh, Adderall issue, I believe yes. it was. Yep. Like, There's off-the-field stuff with this guy as well mm-hmm. that you have to tie into it. I mean, I might use uh, my last pick or second-to-last pick on him just oh, for the potential. Oh, he's easily worth a late-round flyer. Yeah. But I mean, I, I look at like three of his last four years of 196 batting average, then 262, 221, then 215. Uh, you're right, Frank, I think... He has a potential for uh, 30 home runs as kind of like being his floor. I know he had 26 last season, but 30 is almost like he could probably do that in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. like a late corner infield yeah. guy. Like if you have, it's all about roster construction. Yeah. Obviously, if you can swallow the batting average, mm-hmm. but if you have some guys up top, like if you drafted a Jose Altuve early on, right. or Joey Votto or something, right. maybe you can afford to take this. I'm just saying right now in NFBC ADP, this guy is going pick 253. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely late in drafts. We're talking about like. The late teens, maybe even like in the twenty-ish rounds of mm-hmm. drafts, where you could get him as your corner outfielder, maybe even a utility for thirty-plus home runs. This guy had a three hundred one BABIP and hit two fifteen, though. That's amazing that he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. But for what it's worth, as well as as we know, the shift has become more and more prominent in mm-hmm. the MLB. He has changed up who he is as a hitter, like. Yeah, he still pulls the ball a ton, mm-hmm. but it is down from the couple seasons. Like, like in 2015, he pulled it 55.9% of the time. 
Then he dropped that down to 41.7, 44.2. That's still in range with his career norm, but he's not pulling it as much as we once saw. Right. Maybe that's he's trying to go opposite field a little bit more. Maybe that's tying into the low average, but... I think the days of where this guy's hitting 260 plus are gone. Like mm-hmm. he just strikes out way too much yeah. to even to sustain an average like that. You're going to get around a 220-230 average. I just think that is who this guy is. Joey Gallo, Chris Davis. I'd take Joey Gallo. Joey, yeah. I mean, multi-position yeah. eligibility, right? And, and but Joey Gallo is going to steal a couple of bases mm-hmm. too. But we're looking at potentially a worse batting average than Chris Davis and yeah. Joey Gallo. I know I mean, this it's is a guy who's going to hit like 210. I, I, I just find it shocking. It's that, so hard to yeah. come back from that. Yeah, like a guy who's going to play every single day. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of the accumulative numbers that he puts up, 40 home runs, could be looking at a 90 run, 90 RBI guy, mm-hmm. and like 10 plus stolen bases. Like that kind of production is. Awesome, right? But it's just hard to swallow that two ten batting average over you know five hundred and fifty at bats. Yep. Uh, let's go back to the Brewers if we have time uh, before commercial. Um, Jonathan VR, uh, he's you talk about. Well, we'll when we come back, we'll mention uh, VR. We talk about players that could come back uh, from uh, poor seasons. So uh, when we come back, a little Jonathan VR talk on the weekend fantasy update. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina, Mike Florio, Frankie Cheech Stample. Before we left, uh, we wanted to get back into uh, just a couple minutes of Brewers talk. And uh, Frank uh, writes an article about uh, players that have had poor seasons and they're... Trash. They're trash, yeah. I'm Last not trying to be trash. nice. Yeah, okay. You want to call him trash? You want to call Jonathan VR trash? What do you think about it VR's... Uh, <laughs> he struggled all, all season, right? <laughs> My God. Uh, what do you think about his uh, prospects for this season? Yeah, I think obviously 2016 is going to end up being a career year, but this is a guy who, uh, according to ESPN's player rater, he finished as the fourth best hitter that season. Because mainly because of the 60 stolen bases. Uh, but I think it's fair for where he's going right now. You get him in the 11th or 12th round of 15 team drafts. We're mm-hmm. doing the beat BFF draft. Greg and I got him in the 11th round as our starting second baseman. Um, I think that he's still a guy that can hit 250 with 15 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of conservative, too. We know that he has the speed to be better than that, but if you're projecting, I wouldn't want to over-project him. So I think around 30 stolen bases is fair. We'll be interested to see where he hits in the lineup. Do they put the pitcher 8th, put him ninth? kind of had the, the dual back-to-back leadoff maybe with him and Yelich back-to-back or him and uh, Lorenzo Cain. 
whatever they want to do, but there were still some good signs last year. 33% hard hit rate above, above league average. His home run to fly ball ratio was 19%, which is what it was the, the year before. Mm-hmm. That was something we worried about. Can he maintain that home run to fly ball ratio? Uh, and I think he answered that question last year. He struck out a ton, and I don't have something that can remedy that except for the fact of you know, him trying to make better contact. And we saw that in his 2016 season. Even if he doesn't get back to that level, I think that he can be better than what we saw last year in terms of making contact and striking out less. So if he does all those things, he's not going to hit 280 ever again, but maybe you know a 250 to 255 hitter with 15 home runs, 30 stolen bases. And if he does that, I think he re- he's a, uh, a positive return on investment in the 11th or 12th round. I originally, when we were doing a, a writer's mock, I took him in like the 14th round, and I really like that value there for him. He is starting to go up higher mm-hmm. into that like 11th, 12th round range, like Frank mentioned, and a large part of that is because of the stolen bases, but I think he was a loser this week. Like He's not going to be atop the order anymore. He's going to be, at best, ninth or 8th in that order, um, and are they going to... If he is 8th... Or it may, maybe even like in that 7-9 through nine range, anywhere there, how many stolen base attempts is he going to see? We know he's going to sit against lefties. He hit 214 against left-handed pitching last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. where Hernan Perez hit 316. So you're already cutting out the at-bats there. We saw him go through bad slumps last year, which is what happens when you strike out a third of the your plate appearances. And when that happened, he got benched. So I get it. The upside is completely there for him to return on that investment. But there's also a chance for him, I feel like, to bottom out because they have so much more depth now than they did last year. They're not going to be able to get Hernan Perez into games all over different positions. I think I, I could see him primarily platooning with a Johnny VR. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Perez is terrible against right-handed pitching. He's not great by any stretch. Johnny VR is much better. But if VR is slumping, they could just you know give him a few days off here and there. So I would like it a little bit more if his price actually started to drop a bit. I will say this pertaining to his lefty-righty splits. Uh, in the 2016 season, 165 at-bats against left-handed pitching. He hit 309 with a 930 OPS and wow. 8 of his 19 home runs. So last year could have been an outlier. Uh, Twenty, Maybe maybe 2016, 2016 is the outlier. was the outlier. But, mm-hmm. That was a career year across the board. But like a 930 OPS against left-handed pitching, I think that proved over 165 at-bats that he can at least be competent. So mm. I think he'll get I think he'll get a fair shot to to be the guy here. Based I, on, I don't think Hernan Perez is going away personally. Based on his NFBC ADP, looks like in a 12-team league he'd be going on average 16th round or so. So uh, we'll be back with more. We'll uh, switch gears. Talk about the Marlins and uh, their busy week. Weekend fantasy update. 